welcome to another episode of Muskegon History and Beyond. Today we are going to look at the history of Hoffmaster State Park. The state of Michigan is very fortunate to have a lot of public land for its citizens to use. There are 100 state parks, 16 state harbors, 22 state recreation areas, and six state forests. And believe it or not, here in Muskegon County, we are home to three state parks that comprise about 2,327 acres. Now, the reason that that acreage is an estimate is because Hoffmaster State Park actually straddles both Muskegon and Ottawa counties. Now, do you guys want to take a guess as to which of the three parks is actually the oldest? Um, the oldest is Muskegon State Park, which was established in 1923. And the youngest is Duck Lake State Park, which was established in 1988. And of course, in the middle, being established in 1963, we have Hoffmaster State Park. Before it became a state park, it was known as Norton Township Park. And a lot of citizens went there to enjoy it over the years. In 1963, when the park was established, it was named P.J. Hoffmaster after Percy James Hoffmaster, who is sometimes considered to be the father of Michigan's state park system. There's also a nature center in it named the Gillette Nature Center after Emma Genevieve Gillette, who was a landscape architect who scouted a lot of new locations for state parks all over. Now, Hoffmaster itself consists of three miles of beach and around 1,200 acres. From 1920 to 1967, it was Norton Township Park, and it was originally 100 acres, purchased by Clyde Hendrick. Pines were planted by the CCC in 1933, and the park was a popular weekend picnic spot for generations of local families. Former park roads and parking areas are still visible west of the present campground. Between 1930 and 1938, the Panaluna Ski Club held annual ski jumping tournaments, attracting nearly 1,500 spectators to the area, including a toboggan slide downhill ski area and a clubhouse that were just on the north side of the Walk-A-Mile Trail west of the present park entrance. You're going to want to remember about that ski club. It's going to become important later. The proposed park site was first suggested in September of 23 of 1954 to the Parks Division on the potential sites for state parks along Lake Michigan. In 1958, it was decided to break off exchange negotiations with the federal government for the transfer of their land, which was a former Coast Guard property, because private parcels on Lake Michigan were beginning to become developed and making them unavailable and isolated the land from lake access. And I believe this is the point at which they started talking with the city of Norton Shores, who actually was in charge of Norton Township Park, or the Township of Norton Shores. On June 9, 1961, the Conservation Commission dedicated the new state park as P.J. Hoffmaster State Park. So this was just a really, really brief snippet because the main part of this podcast is actually two separate interviews that I did. One of those interviews, which you'll hear first, is with my dad and my uncle Feller, who grew up in a neighborhood just off Ellis Road, where Western Michigan Christian High School and the airport are today. Um, they spent a lot of time down in the state park, as you'll hear, and um, they got away with a little bit. 
The second interview is with Elizabeth Brockwell Tillman, and she is the current naturalist at the um, state park now. She has been in that position since the 1980s, and so she really brings a unique modern perspective to the history of the park. And she's going to talk a little bit about some of the concerns that we have um, in the park today, and just also how people are using it. So I hope that you guys enjoy this little snippet and these interviews and learn a little bit about what the park used to be like and what it's like today. So thank you guys for coming to chat with me about Hoffmaster. Um, I appreciate it. I have random questions for you and you guys can choose or not choose to answer them. So this is Wendy editing and I just needed to interject to say that the reason I put the caveat in there is because I know that some of the stuff that my uncles did before the park was the park was a little bit wild, let's say. Just keep listening and you'll see what I mean. So, Uncle Feller, can you tell me a bit about growing up on Ellis Road and just kind of your neighborhood and how far it was from the park and um, kind of what you did or what you remember doing there when you were younger? Well, it was about five miles from our house. Mm -hmm. And I was born about five years before World War II started. Mm -hmm. when the war started, gasoline was rationed, and you couldn't go a lot of places. But we could always go swimming, mm -hmm. or we could go walking in the winter time, which we did a lot. So who usually kind of instigated those trips? Was it grandma or grandpa? Uh, grandma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to get out of the house and uh, she would load the kids and all the dogs into the car and you'd park on the main road. You wouldn't, there were no places to park like there is now. So, so we'd unload everything and walk back, which was... That's a hike. Yeah, it is. But when we got home, it, there was no problem getting anybody to go to bed. Right. <laughs> but we'd done a lot of walking uh -huh. on the beach. That was mom's main thing. And at that time, there was a lot of farms. They were horse farms. Okay. And the kids would rent a horse and ride up down the beach and stuff. Oh, cool. So were those farms kind of along um, Martin Road area, kind of where the they still have some horse farms, or was it just all over in that area? All over. On Henry Street, there was a farm. Okay. And of course, Black Lake Stables mm -hmm. were there. And it was pretty much, uh, kept you busy. We had a contest that you'd take driftwood and who could make something out of it. So that was, we would have a car load going down, but coming home, <laughs> all kinds of wood and stuff hanging out of it. 
So very cool. So dad, do you remember those same things? Yeah, we spent a lot of time at the beach. But do you remember Norton Township Park then? Yeah. When was it Norton Township Park? It was, I can, the only, I can remember it from, that's mm -hmm. the only thing I remember it okay. as, is Norton Township Park. Um, so when you guys would go, a lot of times it was you and your brothers and grandma and the dogs, but did you guys also take other kids from your neighborhood? And like how many kids were in your neighborhood, Dad? Do you remember how many families? Five, I think, in our little six, five or six. But that was about 15 kids. Okay. It was a pretty close-knit close, close -knit neighborhood. So would Grandma take some of the neighbor kids, too, to uh, the beach? Once in a while. Okay. Do you remember how it was set up? You guys kind of said that you had to park along what would now be, what, Shoreline Drive? Yeah, you could go mm -hmm. into to Norton Shores Park. Camping area is now. Okay, so where the camping area is now, you could right. go into that part. Right, and you could drive almost to the beach itself. There was a, road, a loop road that went around. Drive in, do a loop. Mm -hmm. They had a beach, uh, well, an area, a picnic area. They called that the first beach. And then you went down across the creek and up a little bit of a uh, grade, and there was what they called the second beach. But that one was a steeper climb to get to the water. Were there lots of trails all through the park like there are now? No, from what I remember, I don't remember a lot of trails. There were some old two tracks that weren't technically in the park that people used to get back to the lake. And it was pretty bordered on either side by private property too, yes or no? Yeah. Okay. So it was quite a bit smaller. Oh yeah, a lot smaller. Was it mostly farm or private residences that held that private land on either side of the park? Well, on the north side of the park, mm -hmm. that was a subdivision towards Mount Garfield Road, mm -hmm. houses back in there. But on the south side, that was mostly just woods for quite a ways. Do you guys remember when they were setting up Hoffmaster as a state park? They did most of that when I went off to the Navy. I think it started in 63 or something. I didn't read the paper back then. No? <laughs> what were you doing, Uncle Feller? <laughs> well, I was probably walking in the park. Okay. <laughs> so that I didn't notice anything mm -hmm. until they started chopping out the road. Okay. That goes back to the main building. To the nature center area? Yeah. That area? Okay. But uh, the guy, two, there were two couples looked after the park. They worked for the state. Mm -hmm. And the older ones, the guy come and would take me, show me what they'd done, how oh. they'd cut the trees. Uh -huh. So they fell in and they weren't laying on the hillside. Uh-huh. So. so very cool. There was a lot of thought put into how they were putting the park together at that point. Yeah. What was the craziest thing that you guys ever did at the park, whether it was at Hus Hoffmaster or at Norton, as Norton Township Park? You can plead the fifth, too, if you want. <laughs> I think before everybody went in the service, uh -huh. I bought a used parachute, and we took it down on the beach, and we let the wind blow us, and... We put it on the parachute on Dave, 
and let him run. And it blew kind of up, and it took him over a sand dune. Oh, no. And it was about a 20-foot drop, and the parachute didn't work. Oh, no. <laughs> now, he wasn't Dang. tethered to a string or anything either, was he? No. Was he just holding on? Yeah, it was just a shoe. Oh, why, why didn't he let go? <laughs> Dave, Dave didn't know where he was at until we were almost back to the car. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's pretty nuts. All right, Dad, what's the craziest thing that you did there? I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I think I know what it was. <laughs> well, I can... Maybe the second craziest thing you did. My buddy Ed used to run his uh, little go-kart on the beach like in October, November. Okay. After a big storm and the beach, the wet part of the beach was tapered, you know, probably 10, 15 feet wide. Mm -hmm. He'd take his little, we'd take it into the park and carry it down to the beach and run up and down the beach with a go-kart. So kind of in a similar vein, what's the most amazing thing that you guys have seen at the park? What kind of surprised you the most about being in the park? When you would go swimming, you'd go in off of the road under the sign, said Norton Park, mm -hmm. and you went back and the road wide off, went around. This was hilly mm -hmm. and it was narrow, so you usually stayed on the park. You went around where all the picnic tables were and stuff, the parking, and right at the end of the dunes, before you went down the hill, there was a six-foot-wide trail. Okay. And that followed that creek mm -hmm. around, and it went out into Lake Michigan. But as you turned around, there was a big dune. Mm -hmm. It was about 25-foot high, 100-foot long, and we had a storm. And we went down after the storm, and that hill was gone. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember that, too. I remember the hill, and then going uh -huh. down there one day, and it's just flat gone. Yeah. yeah. That must have been a huge storm. So, Dad, same question. So what have you seen out there besides that storm? That was just absolutely amazing. I think that's, that's it, just that the storm could take all that sand in a matter of a day. I mean, it was flat just like this tabletop. Wow. They had a bridge that went from one side to the other, and that was gone. <laughs> so, you know, the, we know that the dunes shift because it's just a changing habitat. So the park has probably changed a lot from when you guys were younger to now. So what memories do you guys have of just the changing habitat and different animals and different birds or plants um, that used to be there that maybe aren't there or new things that you've noticed? Um, so what are some of the changes like that that you've seen kind of over the years? Well, the overpopulation of deer has decimated the wildflowers because the deer will eat the wildflowers. Right, and they're just getting pushed out of kind of the suburban areas. Because yeah. I remember going to the Trillium Festival when I was younger and just being just tons of trilliums everywhere. We're making the park where the day-use parking lot is now. That mm -hmm. used to be a big valley that wasn't flat like that. They okay. that in probably 15, 20 feet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it used to be full of trilliums, that valley. Just the whole thing was covered with trilliums. 
and walk across there in the spring and the summer and just wait. When did they put that parking lot in? They didn't do that right away when the park was made, did they? Yeah. They did? Okay. Yeah, we had a Some... Dad had a 56 Volkswagen and a couple of times, little Beetle. And first time we took it across, walk a mile across the creek and up the, the road. You could drive uh -huh. almost to the beach. I don't know that you were supposed to. Right. But the road was wide enough to do that. We did that a couple times, and then the last time we did that, Uncle Dave was driving, and he hit the opposite shore, and it wasn't ramped. Oh, no. I don't know if a storm had come through or something, but there we sat with water running through the car. <gasps> I don't know how they found it. Ron Hopkins was with us, but somebody come along with a tractor and pulled us out. I don't know how all that happened, but fortunately the car still worked. Oh, you guys would have been in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely some adventures and misadventures. Yeah. So do you guys think that there's really that much of a difference between how people use the park today and how you guys were using it when you were younger, aside from probably there's some more rules? You could go down there at night, you know, if you wanted to go sliding in the wintertime, we'd go sliding at maybe 10 o'clock at night. Uh-huh. If it was a good full moon night, right. you grab your piece of cardboard or whatever and, and go slide. Wilbur Paul used to get his cardboard boxes uh -huh. and they'd be wrapped with a sheet of cardboard about as big as this table on the bottom and on the top. Uh-huh. And we'd take those cardboard, you roll the end up and you could slide down half of it was waxed on the bottom. Oh, nice. They were apple boxes? Yep. Yeah, they were just part of the shipping for the apple boxes. So, yeah, they made real light sleds, carry them all day and not get tired. Right. If it was cold enough, they'd last quite a long time. How long was the orchard in your neighborhood? Like, at what point did Wilbur Paul stop that and then the airport came? Just out of curiosity. Well, he was on the north side what they called the old orchard okay. he was there before the airport so they took out just a corner of his property for that okay and then they had the new orchard which is where the high school is now west michigan christian high school and i think that was 20 acres that he had there so when did he stop farming the apples do you remember well he he died because of a car accident and then i think the orchard stopped what, probably mid-60s? Mid yeah, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think they were using doing the orchard stuff when they got out of the Navy in 68. Yeah, I was they just still curious. still had blueberries then. Okay. But not the apples. I think they stopped with the orchard. Okay. I was just trying to put it in the timeline with everything. Very cool. So thinking about the park, and just kind of the future of the park, what do you hope that people continue to do? Or, yeah, what are your hopes for the state park, I guess? Well, that it stays a state park. You know, I mean, they have lots of nice hiking trails and stuff in there now. And mm -hmm. They have the pavilion in the back past the nature center where people can gather and stuff. So it's a nice park, and I hope they can keep it that way. Yeah, it's pretty special. I We spent a lot of time out there, Dad. <laughs> lots and lots of beach walks. Those were kind of my main questions. 
Do you guys have anything else that you would think would be interesting to share about the history of the park or what you guys did there with friends or other people from Muskegon that you guys knew? Well, the, the part that they called Walk a Mile was right, mm -hmm. you parked right by the entrance to the day use. And then you walked back to Lake Michigan from there. Okay. So that was, I don't know if it was a mile, but it was a good long hike, so. And that's not where the Walk a Mile Trail is now, right? No, the Walk a Mile Trail now is you just connect to what used to be the Walk a Mile Trail. And if you get up there, you can go towards the lake, but you're not supposed to go out towards the road. Got it. So when you hit that crossroad, yeah. that's where the old trail Yeah, that's the one we meets. used to drive up with a car. Oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> So Norton Township Park sounds like there was just a lot of stuff going on outside of just hiking trails and stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the city did quite a bit in there. I have one more question that is unrelated to Hoffmaster, and it has to do with the Mount Garfield Hill Climb. Do you guys ever remember going as kids, or as adults even, or hearing it, or anything? Well, the motorcycles used to come down Ellis Road. You used to be able to go up, even though it was private. Muskegon mm -hmm. Motor Cut Cycle Club, I think, owns it. They do. So you could still climb to the top in the summer. You could, they had cement steps that went to the top, and you could go up there and uh -huh. climb up to the top. Very cool. Now, did, was that part of the ski hill, too, or was that just down there at Wakamai? Did they ever have a ski slope at, Mount, at the motorcycle place? His dad used to ski, but it was at Walk a Mile. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a ski jump there. And Grandpa went over it? Yeah. Did he have his own skis? He must have. <laughs> I forget who Mom, Mom was pregnant with, Feller or Donnie, but Dad went, went off the jump and lost a ski. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, he survived. And that was before it was a part of Norton yeah. Township Park? Okay. That so was he, so they're on Hoffmaster's board, they talk about the Pontaluna Ski Club. Oh, okay. So was he a member of that, or was he just using the, trying the ski jump? I really don't know. Okay. I was curious, and I, I've been looking in the archive, and I can't find information, so I'm really curious. I think it was just when Dad and those guys got together. It was like us kids uh -huh. getting together. It was, I dare I, you. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go down and do this. You know, it sounds dangerous and dumb. <laughs> we could lose our life, but that's okay. <laughs> I am sincerely amazed any of you survived childhood. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that those were my questions. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Muskegon History and Beyond. This is part one of two, History of Hoffmaster. So stay tuned for the next part, which will be an interview with Ms. Elizabeth Brockwell Tillman, who is the current naturalist at Hoffmaster State Park. We can't wait to have her join us to learn a little bit more about Hoffmaster today.